are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday midweek edition of Locked On Pelicans. Hopefully you're safe from the storm, seems to have missed New Orleans entirely, which is a wonderful thing, but hammering the Gulf Coast, so if you're listening over there... Uh, uh, hope you're staying safe with everything. couple of things to cover today. I'm excited about one because the Minnesota host, Ben Beacon, host of Locked on Timberwolves, did a segment of the show for me. He proposed a trade for Drew Holiday and the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'll let you know what it is and whether I'd say yes or no to it and the reasoning why behind that. Then the Houston Rockets are losing Mike D'Antoni. It's going to be another coach available on the market for New Orleans. We kind of talked a little bit about whether he'd be a good fit or not on Monday. The question then becomes, the hell is going on with the Houston Rockets and ownership? Because the Athletic did a deep dive on that. We got to talk about ownership situations. Not here, not just here in New Orleans, but the Houston Rockets in Milwaukee Bucks as well. And then finally, it was a great game seven if you're a Nuggets fan last night and hate the Clippers. And that tells you a little bit about a couple of things going on around the league. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So yesterday, Ben Beacon of Locked On Timberwolves proposed a trade for Drew Holiday. They landed the number one overall pick. They're likely looking to get back into the playoffs next season or at least be in contention. And I don't think they're looking to go through a rebuild. And on lottery night, when I hosted the Locked On live show that we did, we brought him on to talk about it and immediately said they're going to be looking to trade this pick. Now, it's tough to kind of find a deal that makes a lot of sense. And the and the Warriors are looking to trade their pick too. So you've got the top two picks potentially on the market, which probably devalues them to like some degree, I think a little bit. And there's just not a ton of trades. There's some that make sense, but like none that get you like really excited. And it's always tough to come up with three and 14 deals. And it's like largely why I just don't uh, try, try to, because it's just too hard to try and figure a lot of that stuff out. But the Timberwolves want to get back into playoff contention. It's also one of like the weaker drafts. This is not like, oh, you've got Zion and then a bunch of other guys. There's no consensus top pick, which can be good if you want the second pick and you don't, and you think the guy that you would take number one is going to be there at two. Look what happened with the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics a number of years ago with Mar- Markel Fultz and Jason Tatum. They would have taken Jason Tatum first, but they moved back and got him at three while getting other assets. So if you're going to do a move like that, it can be great. But otherwise, it's kind of a weak draft. Like, this is the worst draft we've seen in a long time in terms of, like, top prospects. And if you don't like anyone in there, trading for the number one or second overall pick isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. So here's the trade that the Minnesota... All of that said, here's the trade that the Minnesota Timberwolves host, Ben Began, put out there. Timberwolves get Drew Holiday in the 13th overall pick, and the Pelicans get the number one overall pick. So it's 13 and Drew for number one. He says, who says no? I, in a weird way... I think both teams probably say no, but here's here's what his quote is on there. And it goes, look, Drew Holiday is a much better defender and shooter than LaMelo Ball. If you add Drew Holiday and a solid player at number 13, that's a playoff team. Okay. So that reasoning right there is probably why the Pelicans wouldn't make this deal, I think. 
If you think putting Drew Holiday in the 13th overall pick on your team with Carl Anthony Towns and some of the other stuff they have is going in in D'Angelo Russell is going to make you a standout. What if you add Drew Holiday and the 13th overall pick to Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson on the top? So my question then becomes is, would you trade Brandon Ingram straight up for Carl Anthony Towns right now? Just forget salaries, all that stuff right now. Who's the better player in a vacuum to you, Brandon Ingram or Carl Anthony Towns? I like Towns. I'm not sold on Towns a ton at times. I would pick Brandon Ingram over him, I think, given their ages and things like that. I would pick Brandon Ingram. Towns is almost two years older than Ingram is. So when you look at it kind of in that vacuum, I think that tells you a whole lot about these guys. Carl Anthony Towns can do a lot. He scores and rebounds and he's going to put up big points, but... I don't know about defense from him. It's also a big, which kind of worries me a little bit in this kind of day and age of the NBA, though he's three-point range, and I think that's a really, really important thing, and he's pretty good from there. So, uh, yeah, he gives you points and rebounds, but I kind of want that go-to creator, the score, that I think Brandon Ingram shows shades of. So I don't know if I'd trade for him, but admittedly, it's probably kind of close. But if it's kind of close... And you're looking to get back into the playoffs. You're not going to do it by trading for the number one overall pick. So all of the the argument of, well, if you had Drew Holiday and a, and a solid guy at 13, which I think is overshooting the value of that pick a little bit, I don't think that's going to do it. Adding LaMelo Ball to this team could be good. You know, maybe a guy like Anthony Edwards could be really good. That's probably who I'd look at for number one overall, I think. But I'm just not sold on this, particularly because I don't think the Pelicans are necessarily looking to take a step back and want to be into playoff contention next year. So for the logic of why he would trade for Drew Holiday, I'm just not going to do it. You can add that guy, in a way, if he plays a little bit better than he did last season, to this roster, plus 13, and you're right back in playoff contention. And that's where I think the Pelicans are looking to try and go next year. There, you know, for T-Bob Bear asked me about this on the radio on 104.5 ESPN a week or so ago. And it was just like, what What if they try and tank and get more assets? At some point, you got to just teach your guys to win. Like the, the Sixers did that, right? For a long, long time. And it's created just a bit of a dysfunctional mess. Now, they didn't let Sam Hinkie see the process out there. But at a certain point, these guys need to go out and play. You're there to win basketball games at a certain point. You're there to build the fan base to ensure the future and health of the team. And if you're not doing that even if the ultimate goal is to win a title and you know if you're if you're not winning a title what are you doing you can still get there incrementally look at the Denver Nuggets who just beat the Los Angeles Clippers last night didn't really do a full on tank tear down rebuild just smart move after smart move after smart move good scouting good drafting and if the Pelicans can do all of that there's no reason to take a, a, a huge step back after last season uh, compared to the one coming up. So I don't necessarily think they need to trade Drew Holiday. Maybe that's what we'll do tomorrow. We'll do an episode of like why they won't or shouldn't trade Drew Holiday because everyone just wants to trade him away. Is that the right move? And I'm not entirely sure that it is. It kind of went a little bit all over the place there in terms of Drew Holiday and that trade. But uh, it's an interesting one. And we will definitely be talking about why they should keep Drew Holiday because even if he's not on the right timeline for the team, and I'll do this tomorrow, I think there's a lot of value in keeping him here still. So we're going to talk about ownership coming up here in just a minute. The Rockets, what are you doing? Some stuff going on with the Bucks too that's kind of eye-opening and a bit surprising as well. So let's dive into that coming up here in the next segment of Locked on Pelicans. 
So let's talk about ownership. This is where you can get the biggest competitive advantage possible in any sports. There might be a salary cap that levels things. Market size is important, but frankly, if you're like the New York Knicks, you're you're wasting the advantage of being in a desirable market in a big market, and ownership is what's holding them back. Ownership's kind of what held the Lakers back for a little while too, kind of being run like a mom and pop, and they were. And so ownership is the biggest competitive advantage I truly think you can get. Ballmer has so much money and is willing to spend it. And you know he's going to make a lot of changes after this Clippers team getting bounced out in the first round. He doesn't care what it's going to cost. He could buy like five other NBA teams, I think, if he wanted to use that much money. That's a big deal. He bought the Great Western Forum just to basically uh, own it so that it wouldn't come into conflict with the stadium that he wants to build. That's uh, nuts to me. So ownership is a big reason why things happen in the NBA in a good or bad thing. The Rockets are in a weird, weird spot. And there's uh, a report from The Athletic kind of breaking down why Mike D'Antoni left. And it seemed like maybe they were headed for a partying, but it also would have made a lot of sense for them to keep him, I think. But after the season ended, one of the biggest reasons why D'Antoni decided not to go back was partially because... Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets, did not give him what he thought is a, it would is a customary call at the end of a year just to congratulate him on the season, talk about the future and all of that. It's just little things like this that make a big deal that can add up to a lot. They might have still have Mike D'Antoni if Tillman Fertitta just makes a damn phone call. And it sounds like Mike D'Antoni, you should go read the athletic article, was so upset that he didn't get that call that on the plane or going onto the plane flying back out of Orlando to um, Houston, it sounds like he told his agent to then leak the news that he wasn't coming back before he told Fertitta. So Fertitta probably found out while the team was in the air, when they all didn't have their phones and all of that stuff, before the Houston Rockets landed. It wasn't because he found out because D'Antoni told him himself. That's nuts. The level of spite you have to have for your owner in that situation to make like a big deal about this and make it almost look embarrassing for the owner tells you a lot about how Tillman Fertitta treats his employees. And if he's treating the head coach of his basketball franchise this way, imagine how he treats lower level employees. And he's taken a beating during COVID and all this, like many people have, and that's okay. And it sucks and doesn't mean you deserve it or anything like that. But to treat your head coach like that and to not give him the resources and all of that available or even just a fucking phone call tells you a lot about how that organization is going to be run and has potential for disaster going forward. That's not a good thing whatsoever for this organization so ownership and it's causing them to lose their head coach who they should probably have tried to have kept and seems like they wanted to have tried to have kept uh, but they can't because of the way ownership treated this the bucks are going through something kind of similar with this too not in a bad way it's just the owners are being kind of cheap and they've been a team that's been rumored to go after chris paul for a while but another report in the athletic the athletic is really really good and you should just subscribe to it uh, they've got an article out there right now that gives you some more insight into what's going on there. And it says, as for the reported prospect of the Bucks pursuing Oklahoma City point guard Chris Paul as a possible solution to the roster deficiencies, sources with knowledge of the ownership's thinking said it's highly unlikely. The cost of bringing him aboard, Paul is owed $41.3 million next season and is a player option worth $44.2 million the season after. And the potential difficulty of bringing Paul onto a roster already led by strong personality in Giannis seems to limit the chances of the Bucs moving to, for, uh, moving to pair the two All-Stars. All indications that the Bucs would rather look elsewhere. Holy shit. This doesn't seem like much, right? Like, oh, Chris Paul's expensive. 
That's the whole point. They are not talking about how it would cost a lot of assets to bring Chris Paul in. They are talking about how it would just cost a lot of money due to the salary he has to bring him in, which puts you into the luxury tax at that point, most likely. That is so damning and not a good thing and not anything that you want. And that's the way they're going about running this organization. So all of this is to say, you don't hear stories like this from Gail Benson. Now, is she the best owner in the, you know, in the league? Probably not. She has a lot of money. She's cheap with it at times, I'm sure. They're not kind of taking care of the team and work, uh, the, the arena employees during all of this. And it came on to Zion for setting up that fund and using his own money when, frankly, probably should have come from Gail Benson. But she set up a lot of other charitable endeavors, I think. She's willing to spend when things make a lot of sense. But you don't get stories like this coming out of there, or at least stories anymore. I have one that I haven't told told you all yet, but she had, I think, a nice little awakening and a moment of how they've got to run this franchise if they want it to not be the disaster that it was like a year and a half ago. Uh, one day we'll get that story out. We're not there yet. And so when you see the stuff going on around the league and then when it's coming to Gale, at least you don't have that. Again, there's some issues with the, with the Catholic Church and the Saints and how she's kind of intermingling personal stuff and her personal philanthropies and friendships with the organization. And you probably need to cut that out and separate all of that. And there's definitely some big issues there. But it's not them being cheap. You know, they have maybe a cap on a head coach, but that kind of cap makes a little bit of sense. Though I'd prefer they if they didn't, but a little bit of sense, I think. But they're not kind of staying away from players because they cost too much. And they're not doing little things like insulting their head coach and insulting players, at least anymore, that make things a little bit better. So that's all to say that I like the ownership situation, even if it's not perfect here in New Orleans compared to some of these other teams. Those are title contenders in the Rockets and the Bucks, And they're treating them like, I don't know. It's so strange to me of why you wouldn't just kind of do what it needs to be done. But it's also not my money. And that's maybe kind of the biggest thing. It's something to kind of keep in mind with all of this. So, I don't know. Ownership. Interesting. A lot going on with that around all teams in the NBA. Better here in New Orleans than it's probably been in a while. Coming up, other stuff going on around the NBA. Clippers lose. Nuggets advance. What does it kind of tell us going on around the league? Do we get to laugh a little bit at the Clippers? I think to some degree we definitely should. Even Clippers fans are laughing at them. So, all of that and a little bit more coming up here next on Locked on Pelicans. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, period, full stop. It's really as simple as that. These things are awesome. They taste great, partially because they taste like a candy bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, have amazing flavors like double chocolate, salted caramel, mint brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp. I could go on and on and on. You have no idea you're eating a protein bar. That's good for you. I eat one of these daily after my workouts right around noon instead of having like a big lunch. I eat one of these. I feel great. They're healthy and they're just good for you if you're trying to be a little bit more health conscious, whether you're looking to lose or maintain weight while eating something that, that that's delicious. They are soft. They're easy to chew. They are unlike any other protein bar you've ever tried. They've got some that are 19 grams of protein and just 180 calories or some that are 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. 
They are delicious. They are good for you. I don't know what else you really need me to say other than I spend my own money on these things. They sent me some to try. I liked them so much. I just started regularly buying them. If you've used the promo code for Built Bar through Locked On before, they've reset it because they're relaunching it. They made these bars even more delicious with a new and improved formula. Plus, they're going to throw in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On for $10 off over at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only daily Pelican show coming to you Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know, whether it's trade talk, whether it's coaching stuff, whether it's just NBA talk in general. We've got it here, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Twitter, I'm assuming most of you are, you and, and you were staying up late last night to watch the Clippers lose to the Denver Nuggets, you probably saw you know the thing known as NBA Twitter basically collectively lose its shit because... Oh my God, the Clippers blowing that series, a 3-1 lead. The Clippers are now 0-8 in like closeout games basically to advance the conference finals. Are It was a disaster. That whole series for the Clippers was a disaster on such an epic level, to be perfectly honest. They were up 3-1. They had double-digit leads in Game 5 and Game 6 where they could have closed it out. And then they just look like complete trash in Game 7. The game you've got to win. You got playoff P, right? Who's now known as Pandemic P. That's not good, Paul George. Kawhi Leonard, who's a killer, didn't do much of anything in this game. I don't think those guys looked even remotely interested in playing basketball once it re- they realized things were going not going their way. And it was just kind of a disaster. The Nuggets won 104-89, largely because Nikola Jokic was the best player in the series. Jamal Murray became a damn killer in the playoffs. He had 40 in this one. And... That team, the Denver Nuggets, is so aspirational if you're a Pelicans fan. By the way, Kawhi Leonard, zero points in the fourth quarter. Paul George, zero points in the fourth quarter. They were combined 0-11. You can't do that. You just cannot be that bad in the fourth quarter of a closeout game. It's as simple as that. It's just a disappointing performance. Paul George, 0 for 6, 0 for 5 from 3. That's bad. You've got to do more than that. He bricked. A three-point shot off the side of the backboard, the top side of the backboard when he's wide open in the corner. Just a disaster. They looked tired, and apparently there's rumors coming out that the team just couldn't play more than like three-minute stretches because they were too tired. When it's funny because they play the whole rest management thing to be ready for a game seven in the playoffs and be well-rested and ready to go, whereas the Nuggets have literally played since the bubble began back at the end of July. We're in September now. Every other day, every other day, the Nuggets have played. The Clippers, meanwhile, rested guys, had done this all season, and they come out tired and winded, and their their conditioning's a problem? That's pathetic. You've got to be better as an organization than that. And it's the same thing. We gave, we gave Zion crap for this, right? Like, what happened with the conditioning, and how as an NBA player and franchise are you letting this happen? Same thing for the Clippers, except their stakes were much higher. And in a game seven to go face the Lakers in the next round of the playoffs, and they blew it. You know what wouldn't have made you tired? Not blowing a double-digit lead in either game five or six. Then you don't need to worry about game seven. You can rest all you want. But they weren't 
able to do that. Credit to the Clippers, by the way, and Wes Unsell Jr., who organized that defense and managed to really, really seem to bother the Los Angeles Clippers a good bit. Some guy, a guy that the Pelicans should at least look at right now, given everything that's gone on. Malone, their coach, who looked like he was going to be fired after the first round of the playoffs when they were down 3-1 to the Utah Jazz, has now come back to win both of the next two series, being down 3-1. Unbelievable job by them. Yeah, and that's a team that did it right. They didn't tear it down. Just smart drafting, continually making good move after good move. And now they're in the conference finals. And their future still looks brighter, by the way. Jamal Murray is 23. Maybe the Pelicans should have drafted him over Buddy Heald. Also, he's younger than Buddy Heald when the Pelicans drafted Buddy Heald, which is, which is mind-blowing to think about a little bit. But, yeah. They've done things right, and it's something you can look to try and emulate. Good decision after good decision, kind of simply put as that. The Clippers, meanwhile, need to reevaluate their whole approach. I don't know if Doc Rivers is going to be there. He said he takes a lot of the blame, and he's ready to blame um, the, uh, you know, take the blame, and I think that's fine. But, yeah, you've got to consider moving on from him. That opens up another coaching job around the league, and it's a good time to be in the market for a head coach. I don't think I'd look to... I, I actually think Rivers is a good coach overall, but this has made me question things a little bit. I, they tried to counter Nikola Jokic with Montrez Harrell, who's a six-man, not a starter, could start on a lot of teams, but that's not the guy that's going to slow down Jokic, and they got burned with that decision, and they just didn't uh, stop doing that, which was kind of weird to me. The whole series from the Clippers was just kind of confounding, and it didn't seem to really... I, I don't know. They're a tough team to look at. Like they should have been better than they were. And that's a lot of the time on the coach to not make them greater than the sum of their parts. There was no chemistry. But when you don't practice during the year, when you're resting guys a ton, yeah, what do you think would happen? And so that I think kind of tells you a lot about maybe how the Pelicans should approach things this offseason going into next year. There's something to be said for roster continuity and chemistry. There's something to be said for not kind of trying to run it back and then build things back up again and wasting the time that you've already done here. Look at the Denver Nuggets compared to the Clippers. There's no right or wrong way to build an NBA franchise and to be in playoff contention, but you can look at both those two teams right here. And yeah, I think this is one of those things where maybe you've got to kind of evaluate how things were done. And it's a little bit telling, but it was a fun series. I do enjoy game sevens and I hope we get a good playoff series. And frankly, with the way that the Nuggets played compared to the Clippers, I'm almost happy that we're seeing Lakers Nuggets instead of Lakers Clippers, because I don't know, given the way the the Clippers played, if they somehow eat this one out, that they would have been a competitive competitive in the next round. We'll see though. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm enjoying the NBA playoffs. I hope you are as well. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Built Bar for sponsoring today's show. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.